0: Take our Bibles this morning, turn to uh, John chapter 12. By God's grace, we'll finish up this little section. I didn't print out an extra set of notes for Tim, I'm sorry, but we we'll have to share with him, I guess. Yeah. <clears throat> but Lord willing, next Sunday, uh, we will have our next set of notes and uh, keep moving forward in the text. Um, I was looking at that again this morning, and um, we'll pick up with verse 37 next time. And then I have uh, two Sundays that, that we're going to be out, so I'm right in the left there, Dad. I love you, but not that much. Okay. <laughs> they, they had a big party here yesterday for Sage's 18th. Oh. So it's free range. Of, <coughs> uh, nice. uh, proper distance. Okay. <laughs> Keep you dry. Um. So and then, and so so the last two Sundays in February, uh, Dory and I will be out of town, and so. Uh, Eric is mm-hmm. doing Sunday school on the 19th, right? Thank you. 19th, and, yeah. then, and then on the 26th, uh, we're having a biscuit breakfast, right? So uh, that's a good opportunity to, people love food. And for some reason, I always serve food. I don't know how it works. I and mean, even a tiny church like ours, people hear about it. And it's like, no, <laughs> that's funny. But uh, yeah, so that's the plan. And then uh, March the 5th, I think I was looking at the calendar, I think that's right. Uh, we'll, we'll be back in those Notes and we'll, uh, I think those notes will. Um, I'm not sure exactly how I'm going to divide the rest of it. And there may be two sets of notes, but I'm thinking probably we'll just have one more that's going to just finish us out with chapter 12. I'm really looking forward to getting into uh, not not the 12 is that okay? But 13 to 17 is the upper room discourse and the high <clears throat> priestly prayer, what I call the Lord's prayer. Okay. Uh, what's called the Lord's Prayer is not really the Lord's Prayer. We'll talk about that when we get there. But uh, anyway, uh, but this is really, really great passage from Scripture. One of the most famous, uh, some of the most famous texts in all the New Testament come out of there. Right? So, um, just a great, 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 great time ahead of us in store. Let's open in prayer. Again. <coughs> Heavenly Father, we're very keenly aware uh, as always that um, when we approach your word that, that this is um, sacred ground. It's holy ground. and This is not just um, throw out a verse or two and then riff on our opinions uh, or current events or whatever. Um, not here for motivational speeches. We can We can get those anywhere, but We want to hear from you this morning, and uh, and we do that by reading your word and and then trusting your Holy Spirit to to illuminate it and to apply it. And I pray that that uh, you will use me in that capacity um, for your glory and yours alone. And all of us, as we contribute, uh, maybe as Larry says many times, we're here to learn from each other, here to edify one another, to uh, spur one another on toward love and good deeds and all the more so as we see the day approaching. And so uh, help us to understand your word even clearer, and as Erica prayed to, 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 uh, to see others drawn to you. Uh, there's no magic strat- strategy, really. Um, it's, it's up to you to uh, um, open the ears. You, you said here in this very gospel that your sheep hear your voice, and so I pray that you would open many ears um, to hear. And uh, that we might have joy being part of that uh, in our community around the world. In Jesus' name is outlined in front of us, right? Chapter chapter twelve. Where, where um, the last point on this, which is kind of last two points, five and six, is where we are, and um, uh, that's going to finish Jesus' public ministry. Okay. Now, the, the rest of chapter 12, I've kind of been struggling with what to call it. I'm thinking of calling it sort of an, an epilogue because uh, as, as I've studied it, um, I'm not sure that what John kind of ends chapter 12 with a, a long quote from Jesus. And I'm not saying that Jesus didn't say that. He did say it, okay? But I'm not sure that he didn't, that he, that John is saying that that is chronological. In other words, that that's, that, that what what he's going to uh, quote there, in starting with verses, uh, with verse um, uh, 44 and going down to 50 at the end of the chapter, <clears throat> I think that's more of it could have been something that he said in this period of time between uh, the presentation of the king, right, uh, what we know as triumphal entry, and then and the uh, crucifixion, those days in the temple there uh, largely where he's teaching um, he could have said it during that period of time but I think John is using those words pulling them maybe from another time and, and putting them here at the very end is sort of like an epilogue okay and the reason I say that is you know not to jump too far ahead but verse 36 is a very abrupt statement right at the very end and I talk about that on the front page of your notes there, where he just it just simply says, when Jesus said these things, he departed and hid himself from them. Right? That's the closing of his public ministry. Boom, there it is. But then after that, from verse 37 to the end of the chapter, John sort of just reflects back on his ministry and it kind of explains to us why it is that even though Jesus did so many miracles, and had this message of the gospel. Why the nation? Why the nation as a whole did not respond to him? And, he, and we're going to see that he quotes from the Old Testament, right? Um, which, as I've mentioned to you before, when the, when, the, when the gospel writers quote from the Old Testament like that, what they're doing is they're helping primarily a Jewish audience, though not exclusively, but primarily a Jewish audience reconcile in their brains the scriptures that they were taught when they were coming up in synagogue you know with this Messiah right and so John is going to do that as well here in this last sort of what I'm calling the epilogue of the public ministry um, does that help at all alright we'll, we'll, we'll go through that again when we, when we come up these notes but I'm just trying to set the context for us Here. So remember, uh, let's just go quickly through our outline. Uh, The Gentile proselytes seek Jesus. That was was verses 20 through 22. Remember, they came to Philip first and said, We want to, we would like to see Jesus. And Philip, um, apparently, you know, having a Greek name and whatever else, they just felt maybe comfortable coming up to him. Why? But Philip, but there he is. And then he went to Andrew, and the two of them brought these people to Jesus, and that starts him talking about the way of the cross, right? That was um, point number two on our outline. Jesus discloses the way of the cross for himself and his servants, right? what he's, what he's The point of what he's making there is this idea of the harvest, right? That if a seed, if, if, if an individual uses a, an agrarian illustration, right? Okay. <laughs> a farming illustration uh if, if you if you put a seed up on the shelf, it just kind of stays there, but I don't really do anything, right? You know. But if you if you put it in the ground and it uh, uh, you know effectively is willing to let go of what it was, it becomes something much more, right? But through no power of its own. Remember, the responsibility of the seed is to what die. Right. The seed goes in the ground and dies. And who is it that brings the harvest? God. Right. That's what Paul means when he says one plants, another waters, but what? God gives the increase. you got to remember that. It's not our techniques. Right? <clears throat> our techniques are important. I think we should be organized. You know, we have at BBS, we're getting ready to, Warner used to uh, every time we come around to BBS planning every year, Warner was like, oh man, I can't believe it. You know, another, <laughs> not, not that he regretted BBS, it just, you know, time flies so fast, but yes, we're getting ready to start planning our our next um, BBS, and it's not that we shouldn't plan or strategize. We should. You know, that's important. God honors that and blesses it, but that's why we pray so much, too, right? Because the Lord is the one that has to bring the increase. So, anyway, the point of, of the fruit and the seed dying to itself, Jesus had talked about this earlier in the Gospel, too. I don't think we mentioned this, but in chapter four, where he meets the the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman at the well, she gets really excited. She goes back into town and tells everybody, "Come see a man who told me everything I've ever done." As those people are streaming, meanwhile the disciples come back. Right? Hmm. What are you doing out here? Who are you talking to? What you know? And he's like, "Here, have some food." He's like, "Guys." and I've already got some nourishment in this, some food you don't know about, right? Anyway, but the, his point is, as, as they see these people, these Samaritans now, not Jews, but the Samaritans coming out, he says, look at that harvest. Others have worked, and you're reaping right? you're, you're, you're reaping benefits. So this isn't the first time we've encountered this illustration of a harvest there, and he discloses the way of the cross, which is that we are to die to ourselves, to our little world, our little agenda. That's not natural. It has to be a desire put in your heart by God. You need a new heart, right? yes, yes, yes. You can't just come to Jesus, say a magic prayer, and everything's good. You have to be transformed in your heart. And you can't do that to yourself. Um, but when it does... This will make sense. We don't do it perfectly, but the desire is there. If the desire is not there, I would really call the question of the genuineness of your salvation. All right. So that's the way across. cross. Point number three is uh, that we looked at God the Father answers Jesus. Remember, it's the third time in the gospel accounts that God the Father speaks audibly in heaven. And this is the, John's the only place where that's recorded. And um, it comes at the very end uh, or near near the very end of his ministry. And then Jesus predicts his crucifixion. This is where we were last time we finished that up. And um, I'm kind of expanding the notes here with with these notes. and you can there, there'll be a revision to these notes available online if you want to get the expanded um, outline there. Um, I realized that later. I was like, you know, I really should have put that in there. Not just written it down, but my book's putting it in the So we looked at four. Um, let's just read that. Let's start there in our text this morning. Um, start with starting with uh, the tail end of ver- or, uh, verse 30. Okay. So the Father speaks from heaven, right? And then it's Jesus answered this verse 30, uh, John 12. The voice, this voice has come for your sake, not mine. Now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. I said, yes, we, agree. Okay. we looked at four critical statements or clauses out of here, okay? The first one is this phrase, probably the best way to say it. The first phrase that we looked at is ruler of this world, right? That's in verse 31. Who is this ruler this ruler of this world? Well, that's not hard to figure out. You know, you, you, probably your basic Sunday school even child might be able to figure that out pretty, pretty easily. But that's it. why call him that, you know. Why call Satan that? Why not say Satan or or the devil, right? So we took a look at that, and that occurs. that That phrase starts here, and it's going to occur two other times. It's going to occur in chapter fourteen, verse thirty, and also chapter sixteen, verse eleven. And when we get there, because that's still to come, we get there. You know, we'll take a look at, at in that context. But remember also in chapter 8, verse 44, Jesus tells them that they are sons of the devil. Okay. Putting all of this together, remember the word world that is so pervasive throughout John. I mean, it's right. It looks cover to cover and everywhere in between Uh, is the Greek word cosmos. And it doesn't mean universal. We, in, in English, we hear the word world, and we kind of equate that with the word universal, right? That like they're synonymous. But it doesn't mean that in Greek. What it's translating is that Greek word cosmos, which is a system, an ordered system of something. Okay? And it, doesn't, this is, it doesn't imply a scope. It just applies an order. Does that make sense? So when he says ruler of this world, he's not saying... Ruler of the entire world and the universe universally he's saying this specific system okay and that's important because that system itself and its ruler was about to be destroyed the system was going to be destroyed and the ruler kicked out or, or, or kicked I like to say cast down in contrast to him being lifted up You see that? So it's a coup. It's a spiritual coup is what's happening. And Jesus was saying, you know, this this system is going to be judged at the cross, you know, and and it's going to be destroyed. So we looked at that. second point we looked at is cast out, that phrase. That's also verse 31, right? Cast out. That appeared in uh, chapter 6, verse 37. Uh, All who, where Jesus says, All who come to me, I will not cast out. It also appears in chapter 9 verses 34 and 35 uh, in reference to the blind man who said it says that they cast him out of the synagogue. In the Greek, it has the idea of ejection or driving out or expelling or sending away. The devil, the system was going to be destroyed and the devil was going to be Kicked out. Did that happen? Mm-hmm. Uh, final casting out is yet to be done. He's still around. For, for the whole, for yes. If you're against, if, if, if your scope is the whole world, yes. But for this system, where he yes. says this system, was it destroyed? Yes. Sure was. Okay. The
1: curtain was torn, right?
0: Exactly right. And um, thank you. Um, that's exactly right. You know, what the Gospels, when Jesus breathed this last, there's an earthquake, which is, by the way, another one of the signs of judgment. Remember, there's main, three main signs of symbols, if you will, of God's judgment in Scripture, darkness, fire, and shaking. Mm-hmm. The darkness had happened three hours. We're gonna look at this when we get to the six hours on the cross. <clears throat> the last three hours is darkness. When that's finished, it's followed by shaking and a tearing of that. And that was not a thin little, you know, see-through robe that that, that um, some of the ancient descriptions tell us it was about the width of a man's hand. It was it was a very thick curtain, okay, hanging there in the temple. And um, right there. Uh, um, so to tear that was not trivial, right? It, it's torn from the top down to the bottom, and it's a symbol. I've heard it said, I've believed, and it's not to say this is wrong. The tearing of the te- of that veil o- symbolizes the opening of the way into God. You know, to, to 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 destroy that barrier, that dividing wall, and that's true, okay. But it's also a symbol of the judgment. It's it's like tearing up that. Piece of paper, right? It's a judgment on that system. Um, and then, of course, the temple itself is destroyed some 40 years later.
1: So, is shaking still a judgment? Is that why California has some earthquakes? <laughs> no, I mean it does. I didn't know if that's.
0: I don't think you can say every shaking everywhere is God's judgment.
1: But we understand you.
0: Let, let scripture specifically if, you know, equate that. Remember, there's earthquakes. If you don't believe me, you can go online and look at the USGS uh, uh, website. There's earthquakes happening around the world all the time. Mm-hmm. Most of them are too too slight to be noticed. Um, you know, but uh, most yeah, Most are in the ocean, too. Yeah, a lot of them, them are.
1: We've even had some recently, like some in a lot of
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. We've right? yeah. felt some at our house. Well, we could use yeah. some shaking too, right? We're not far from the Fault at our house, if you look at the thing. Anyway, so we, we feel it there. Maybe we need to have one of them for the well up. Yeah, there you <laughs> go. Amen. Lord. Amen. Hey, that jet of water. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. All right, so uh, first is ruler of this world, second, cast, cast out, the third, phrase we looked at is lifted up. That was a euphemism for um, crucifixion, right? It means um, uh, crucifixion, and that's why I titled that point on our outline, Jesus um, predicts his crucifixion. Uh, That phrase was used in chapter 3, verse 14, where the serpent is lifted up, right? As a symbol of, of Jesus being cursed for us. And then uh, in chapter 8, verse 28, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, he predicted it uh, six months earlier at the uh, Feast of Tabernacles. And then final phrase that we looked at is, I will draw all to myself. That Particularly that word draw we focused on. In the Greek, it means to drag or to compel. Okay, and it's used uh, in chapter 6, verse 44, the Father which sent me. No one can come to me unless uh, um, the Father would send me. Draws him, right? It's translated "draw" there. I like the word "compel." Uh, no one can come to me unless the Father drags him. Okay. By the way, I don't know if you're a fan of C.S. Lewis. Anybody um, really like his writings? Uh, read many of them and just respect man greatly. But his summary of his own testimony was he was dragged, kicking and screaming into the kingdom. That's <laughs> what he said. It's not too far um, from what this scripture says. Okay, so then in, in um, also that word is used again in chapter 18 verse 10. Peter having the sword drew it out. okay The sword didn't come out on its own. it was pulled out uh, at, at Jesus's arrest. And then uh, used twice in chapter 21 verse and verse 6 it cast where Jesus tells them to cast the net and set, and they did and they were not able to here's the word draw it back it was so heavy so many fish in it and then a, a little bit later on verse 11 Peter went up and drew the net okay so putting all of that together um, again, there's this idea of of the judgment is happening now. The Son of Man. It's going to look like this Messiah is going to lose. He's not. He's not the. And we've mentioned this many times. It's important to remember. Um, you know, when, when you raise in church you kind of take for granted that everybody's understood everything the way that you did, you know, and what the Jewish people weren't raised that way. They didn't, they're, and even these disciples, right? They didn't understand, they knew he was the <coughs> Messiah, but they didn't um, understand his mission and his purpose really fully until, until after the resurrection, when Jesus begins to explain it. And then it really begins to, it's not overnight, it's not immediate. It takes a little bit of time and then the Holy Spirit comes and it clicks, right? It, it, the Holy Spirit is sort of that, that final piece of the puzzle, so to speak, that just brings it all together in their minds. And Peter stands up on Acts 2 and brings that amazing message where he just tells the Jewish people, you know, you, you killed the prince of life and, and, and all of this. And, and, and what you're, effectively, what your leaders meant for evil, God intended for good right? And they repent, and 3,000 are added to the church, that whole thing. It just gels in their minds because of the work of the Holy Spirit to help them understand the scriptures. But um, that's where we are now is in verse point number five in our outline, verse 34 is the confusion of the crowd, right? The crowd is still confused about their Messiah. So verse 33, John tells, he doesn't leave any doubt as to what Jesus means there in case his audience who might still be a little confused about, well, I thought you said this was the Messiah. But, you know, every time I've ever heard that phrase lifted up, it means crucifixion. Why would the Messiah be crucified? Right. So John tells us in verse 33, he 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 said this to show by what kind of death he was going to die so there's no doubt about it right but then here comes it's a little bit like paul's writings particularly in roman paul the romans uh, paul in romans uh, has this sort of almost imaginary argument or discussion with like a class like he's given a lecture and, and, and there's people that speak up and, and 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 he says at points you know you might someone might might ask this question right And then, who are you, oh man? And he responds to that. John is kind of doing that here, too, anticipating his own, again, primarily Jewish audience, and their wheels turning if they're staying with him. they're, They're going to have the same question. So in verse 34, he says, So the crowd answered him, We have heard from the law that the Christ remains forever. How can you say that the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this son of man? Now, when I read that first, I don't know, umpteen times, I was like, hey, these people are so thick, right? (laughs) And there's a sense in which that's true. But you have to remember, the more I study it, especially Jesus' response to it, his response at first seems like, um, like he doesn't hear it, kind of, in a way. Or like he doesn't really care. It's like he doesn't, they ask this direct question and he gives a sort of evasive answer, it sounds like. Okay. Well, what I, I think what's actually happening here is the answer that he gives them to this question is very gracious in a way. Because basically what he says is, keep sticking around because it will become clear. Okay. He says effectively, walk in the light. You have the light a little bit longer. Walk in it. Stay, stay with me. Okay. And the reason for that is If you if you interpret that verse, verse thirty four, as a hard, you know, a hard hearted question, they're just kind of you know to leave and walk you know, at him kind of thing. That's how you read it. Then the response doesn't make sense. But I think actually this is a genuine question they're still confused and, and probably even John, who is there maybe to probably to hear this in person, almost certainly may have himself had those. You've been like that, right? You've been in a class and teacher says something and you're like, what does that mean? You're thinking to yourself, right? And you, you're just like puzzled, but you don't want to say anything, right? or maybe the one person in the classroom who always talks out of turn anyway. Why do you mean by that, right? Peter would have asked, right? Peter, yes. I didn't name any specific disciples, <laughs> but I think we all know who that was. <clears throat> uh, but John anticipates that here, kind of like, again, like Paul does in his audience. And, and, and so he, he, he's summarizing The question that, and it's not, again, John economy words, right? I think this question came from multiple places in the crowd. Multiple people were thinking this, and and I think that they're genuine. You know, I think that for the most part, most of these people believe he's the Messiah, but they're confused about what are you talking about he's going to be lifted up, right? So I want to show you that that wasn't necessarily. You know, something kind of that came out of left field. Um, let's have some class participation, and let's have uh, we got three texts. I want to take you to, actually four. Um, in the Old Testament, okay. So this would be because notice what they say here: we have heard from where yeah. from the law, yeah, okay, which is a synonym, right, Larry's right for the law or for the scripture. Okay, um, if you read Psalm 119, um, I won't say every single verse. So I think I found one verse in there that actually doesn't mention it. But pretty much the whole Psalm 119 has all these synonyms your, for Scripture, your commandments, your law, your, your precepts, you know, all of these synonyms for Scripture. And that was one of them. Sometimes they'll say the law and the prophets, meaning the sum total of all the Scripture. Sometimes they'll just short it to the law, but that's what they mean here. And notice that that's important too. It doesn't say we heard from our our rabbis, we didn't didn't hear from the uh, commentators. We've heard directly from the Word of God that the Messiah is supposed to be like this, but you're saying he's like that. How do we reconcile the two? This doesn't make sense, right? So let's look at these texts. First one. Um, these are texts that that stand out in terms of the Messiah's kingdom, predicted as as lasting forever. Okay, so this would be Psalm eighty nine, verses thirty five to thirty seven. Who wants to read that for us? Anybody? All of the, all of the again. Psalm eighty nine. 35
1: through
0: 37. Okay, Okay. thank you,
1: Sandy. Once for all, I have sworn by my holiness, and I will not lie to David. This line will continue forever, and his throne endure before me like the sun. It will be established forever like the moon, the faithful witness in the
0: sky. Pretty clear? Anybody questions? (laughs) Okay, the kingdoms, the Messiah's kingdom. Will last forever. Okay, next one is Isaiah nine, um, one through seven. As soon as you read it, you're going to recognize it. Who wants to
1: read that? One through seven. Rick, you got it. Yeah. Yes, sir. Okay. Said, yes. Nevertheless there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past he humbled the land of Zebulum. Is that the way he pronounced it? Yeah. Yeah. And the land of Galilee. <laughs> yeah. But in the future he will honor Galilee of the Gentiles by the way of the sea along the Jordan. People walking in darkness have seen a great light, which is Jesus. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has gone. You have in, <clears throat> enlarged the nation and increased their joy by or oh, they rejoice before you, as people rejoice in the harvest at the harvest, as men rejoice, when divided the plunder, for as in the day of Midian's defeat you were shattered, the yoke of the burdens of them. The bar across the shoulders of the rod of those of their oppressor. Every warrior boot used in battle, every garment rolled in blood, will be <clears throat> disdained for burning, will be fuel for the fire. What is there, seven? Okay. For, <clears throat> for to us a child is born, to us a son is giving, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called the wonderful counselor mighty god everlasting father prince of peace of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end he will reign on david's throne and over his kingdom established and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and evermore forever the zeal of the lord my
0: almighty will be accomplished this of the increase of his government there will what be no end, be no end. okay uh, Ezekiel 37 24 through 28 Who wants to read that Ezekiel 37
1: 24 through 28 anybody yeah. 24 28 yes yes yeah, my servant david will be king over them and they will all have one shepherd who will walk in my ordinances and keep my statutes and observe them they will live on the land that i give, gave gave jacob my servant
0: in which your fathers lived and they will live on it they and their sons and their sons sons forever David, my servant, will be their prince forever, and I will make a covenant of peace with them. It will be an everlasting
1: covenant with them, and I will place them and multiply them and set my sanctuary in their midst forever. My dwelling place will also be with them, and I will be their God. and They will be my people,
0: and nations will know that I am the Lord who sanctifies Israel when my sanctuary, is in their midst forever. How many times you hear that word forever? <laughs> what part of forever didn't you understand, Jesus? Right. That's what That's the sure. crowd is is basically saying. <clears throat> so th- their confusion is again not without basis. Okay. Um, I mean, you can understand that somebody comes in and and they they bring in a a doctrine like this is strange to your ears and. It contradicts everything that you thought you knew about the scriptures. It really makes you sit up and pay attention. Okay? Last one is the book of Daniel. And this really touches on the Son of Man, that phrase, the Son of Man. Because they say that, you know, we've heard the Christ, in other words, the Messiah, lasts forever. Who is this Son of Man? Um, and in reading some of the commentator, uh, commentators, they. Nice when they agree with me, um, uh, uh, because that actually "Son of Man" was a, was a, a a synonym, and they knew it as well too, a synonym for Messiah. Okay, and that text is is in Daniel seven uh, verses thirteen um, through fourteen. This was the text I was trying to find the other day when just at the spur of the moment, which is not a, usually a good idea. Um, Okay, somebody want to read that, Daniel 7, 13, and 14. I'll read it. I kept looking in
1: the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, one like a son of man was coming, and he came up to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion, glory, and a kingdom, that all peoples, nations, and men of every language might serve him his dominion is an everlasting dominion which will not pass away and his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed
0: Uh, any confusion about who that is (laughs) no they didn't have revelation we have the you know when i read that every time i read that i'm thinking of that scene in revelation right where, where john is weeping and The angel says, stop weeping. Mm -hmm. And the one that looks like the lamb was slain comes and takes the the scroll from him who sits on the throne. We get a lot more detail than they have. But they got it right in the sense that that this is their Messiah. This is the one who, above all others, stands out, even in the Old Testament scriptures, as the greater son of David, as the one who's going to come... Uh, the one that Moses spoke of as the prophet, right? The the one who comes after me and you will listen to him. And, and it just prophesied throughout the whole Old Testament scriptures as the one who is going to come and save the nation. And he's going to establish this kingdom and, and set it up and it's going to last right forever. We see that in all those passages. Back to our text in John so verse 34 again we have heard from the law or from our scriptures we've heard from the scriptures that the Messiah this chosen one this this um, servant of yahweh okay remains forever he comes and he doesn't die how can you say that the son of man okay? That's a reference not to somebody else, but to this, it's a synonym for Christ, okay? We just read man. That this son of man must be lifted up or crucified. Who is this son of man? Now, there may have been a little confusion there about... uh, you know, we see that sort of at the very beginning of this gospel in chapter one, when they're trying to figure out who John the Baptist is. Remember that? And they say, "Are you the Christ?" No. "Are you Elijah?" No. "Are you are you the prophet?" Right. And and, and so there, there's different interpretations. You know, they don't think the same, just like we we don't, right? So some some are open to uh, some possible interpretations of of the Messiah. And the prophet, maybe being different people or Elijah, it's not—it's not exactly clear to them how all this was going to shake out. Okay, um, so there may be some of that, but I think the thrust of this really, again, gets gets to the confusion of the crowd. But I think it's the point I'm trying to make is this isn't this isn't—we've heard the truth and we don't like it, and so we're going to ask, you know, questions we're going to object to it in the form of questions there, there are people like that right they you've encountered that they'll, they'll ask questions they'll ask you a question about God right they know you're a Christian so they'll ask you one question and as you're trying to answer that they're asking you another question right and, and another and it's really just a form of of pushing you away they're not really genuine questions looking for truth they're just a way of, of kind of playing with you and, and throwing more questions at you than you can possibly answer. That's not what's happening here, I don't believe. These are genuine questions. There's genuine confusion here. And so it leads Jesus to the response, which is um, point number six on our outline. Jesus gives his final warning and invitation. This is grace. This is grace. His response is a gracious response. So Jesus said to them, the light is among you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. The one who walks in the darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light that you may
1: become sons of light.
0: Wow. Okay. <laughs> have we ever, have we heard of light before in the gospel, of John? Oh yeah, come into the world. Probably the best place to quickly, since we're running really quick, quickly up against our time here. Um, if you flip back to, to John three, uh, chapter three, this conversation with Nicodemus is so critical and it's it's important uh, that. Its importance at the beginning of John or near the opening of the of the gospel is cannot be understated because it so well sets the tone for what all is coming. Here's the here's the teacher of Israel, right? Here's one of the ones that they would have heard this these truths articulated from the from the scriptures um, to them from this man Nicodemus, right? Jesus calls him, say, you're the teacher of Israel, and you don't know these things, right? So Jesus basically, without reading the whole thing and so forth, um, he says in verse, verse 16 and 17, were very well, are very well known. For God so loved the world, the whole system, okay, that he gave his only son, his unique son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not, Sent his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Oh, well, and so we read that, and we pull it out of context, and oh, that's wonderful. I mean. But who, who's he talking to? He's talking to a Jewish ruler, and what he's saying is, look, the mission of the Messiah right now is not to come and kick the Romans out. It's not to come and and destroy all the Gentile nations and to burn those. You know, to, to bring that big war that we just read about and, and burn those cloaks that are rolled in blood and all that. Okay, that's not why I'm here. I'm here to save the world. Whoever, whoever, and there's a hint there too. There's something else that Nicodemus and the rest of them didn't know, yet. And we're studying this in in uh, in, in Paul, right, in, in Colossians, right. The mystery that was in times past hidden in God, but now it's being revealed. And that is that God is calling some sheep out of another fold, the Gentiles, and there will be some out of uh, out of the Jewish fold and some out of the Gentile fold and there will be one flock and one shepherd. right? And that was hidden in times past, but here Jesus is saying, Nicodemus, let me turn the light on for you. But you go on to read the rest of it. He says, verse 18, whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. What? Light has come into the world. And men love darkness rather than light because of Jesus. Everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light lest his deeds should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that It'd be seen clearly this works will be carried out in God. you heard me say several times before, I'll say it again. What Jesus is telling him here is there's essentially two ways
1: come, that
0: we that we uh, cover sin or try to cover sin, right? There's the false way and there's not the real not way. Not
1: and not if, not you not not dark, if you not have not a dark, right? if you have a room
0: as a mess, right? If you cut not the light out, close the door. It's gone. It's gone. <laughs> well, just a vision. <elevation. laughs> Still there, till so a company comes over yeah, right. and you turn the light on. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, that's what effectively he's saying. The darkness, of course, is a um, is a metaphor for for deception, right? For lies. Whereas light is truth. Okay. And so what Jesus is saying is, look, people try to cover their sin with deception. They're willing to believe anything. To excuse their sin and to hide it and push it away and pretend it doesn't really, it's not really that bad, you know, and and, and we're familiar with that. But when you come to the light, that is to come to Christ, you turn the light on and you discover, oh man, there's a mess here. I can't clean this up myself. Thank God there's a real way to cover that sin, right? And that's with the blood of Christ. And so... Back to our text. I'm going to finish up here because I know we're we're over time. What Jesus is telling the crowd here is this: walk. Walking is a biblical uh, metaphor for life, right? For living. Live with me for a while. Stick around. It's going to look like the Messiah is finished. And he's going to be put on this cross. He's going to die, and that's it. But hang on, it's not finished yet. Okay, hang on, it's not finished yet. And he says, if, if you if you don't walk with me, if you just sort of stay there, then what's going to happen? The light's going to leave. The darkness is going to close back in, and you won't have any idea what God's doing. Okay.
1: Does
0: that make sense? There's a there's a word in there for us as well, right? Um, I've heard many. I've heard many people excuse why they don't attend church regularly. Um, maybe you've heard that too. You know, oh, was hypocrites, or there's not a church in the area that's really doing what I want them to do, or what, whatever they, you know. And, and there is a point where you have to be discerning about where you attend regularly. Um, you know, uh, they should hold to to the, the core Christian doctrines. I think it would be obvious, but unfortunately it's not. Um, Christ should be the center of that fellowship. Um, and then they should love the Lord and love you more than we love our sin. Right? And put him up on uh, But But there is discernment, but there's, you know, there's really no excuse to not walk in the light, right? Stay in that light. It may not make sense always right away, and you'll grow. You'll You'll understand more and more. But it's called perseverance. Stick around. In chapter 15, he's going to elaborate on this, where he talks about the vine and the branches, right? Abide. Stay with me. You may be a little confused now, but stay. Stay. Don't run off and say, well, you know, I tried. I read the Bible once, twice, and it didn't make any sense. And,
1: right?
0: Heavenly Father, thank you for uh, the invitation. Thank you for the warning first, and then also the invitation, which still applies to us. And um, to many people know this, uh, open your word to our hearts. We we want to be those who abide, who stick around, who don't just read a text description and say, "Well, that doesn't make it." I'm I'm offended. What kind of how, what is this hard word like the disciples in chapter six who got really offended in him and. And left and never came back. Help us not to be like those people. But to be open to your word. To be like Peter who said to whom will we go. You alone have the words of eternal life. And we recognize that. We hear your voice because uh, we're your sheep. And so if anybody here today. um, Maybe is not in a state of grace. Father I pray that you would open their hearts. Or anybody listening to this on the internet, um, that we would, just by your grace and and quietness uh, of the Holy Spirit and the conviction that he brings, that you would draw them to yourself and and transform hearts. Only you can do that. I pray your blessing on the rest of this day uh, and plans that we have communion tonight as well. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.